We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 484 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Neil Hilton, and I'm technically on vacation right now for the second show of the week. But before we talk a little history in the second half of the podcast, there was a bit too much stuff going on in the Barcelona universe not to do a little discussing beforehand. I know Vitor Roche is the name. He's the signing. He's the big splash. But the great irony is that he won't be around until at least January, and even if he arrives then... I can't imagine he'll play that much of a role in any trophy that Barcelona wins this season. Never say never, but his signing is all about future intent. And as a talent, I'll be discussing him soon enough, and definitely with some more help, so don't worry about that. We will talk about Vito Roach at some point. He is still 19 years old. We will have plenty of time. He'll be around for many years. We'll have plenty of time. Instead, let's talk about the newest unveiling for FC Barcelona in Inigo Martinez. I wouldn't underrate this signing at any way. That's why at least I know I'm not going to have athletic club specialists come on to talk about him, but I wanted to take some moments to talk about the player that's arriving for FC Barcelona in what, again, is an underrated signing, isn't going to make the headlines or do much of a splash outside of the Barcelona universe. But, you know, due to how little fanfare the signing received, I'd say it's really hard to overrate this kind of signing. I feel like people know the name, of course, Inigo Martinez, for anyone who watches the league or watches Barcelona regularly, but I feel like they don't really know him, you know? It's almost exactly like Christensen, except Martinez is five years older and has been linked to Barcelona for a lot, lot longer. But in the nature of the signing, the hopeful comparisons of Christensen signing are there. He's coming, that being Martinez, also on a free transfer for reasonable wages. We know that release clause is $400 million, but at 32, I wouldn't worry too much about that. And while his wages haven't been reported yet, I would guess they'll be somewhere in the 5 to 7 million range. 4.5 or 3.5 would be great, but I think that's going to be a bit too low with Barcelona's current salary structure. And that's even the restructured salary structure. That's how high they were four or five years ago. Now, people won't rate the signing too much either because he's 32, but he just turned 32 in May. And because he's played for Real Sociedad Athletic Club for his whole career, he has way, way less games played than others who regularly play in Europe. Gunnigan, who is about eight months older, has played over 600 matches in his career, counting club and country. Martinez is still sub-500 in that same amount of time, playing at the top level in top competition. 
Martinez has only made 20 appearances for Spain, and the last time he played in Europe was the group stage of the 2017-18 Europa League with Real Sociedad. Before that, it was the 14-15 season in the Europa League, and he's played seven total Champions League matches, two of which were qualifiers for La Real back in 2013-14. This is a player with a lot more to give, and as weird as it is to say it, he may be finally reaching his highest level right now at 32, which isn't that crazy with center backs to be honest, but the timing still feels both right and late at the same time. And the reason for that, that feeling I have about the timing being, yeah, it feels like right in the terms of his career and his progression and how good he is and how much he still has left to give, sure, but it also feels really late. And I want you to indulge me in some recent history before we go back to much farther back history in the second half of the show. But when Inigo Martinez was 26, so about six years ago, he made a move that kind of defined his career. Back in January of 2018, he moved from Real Sociedad to Athletic Club for 32 million euros, which was a shocking transfer considering the teams involved. While La Real and Athletic Club don't have the same bad blood that, you know, Barcelona and Real Madrid, culturally there are differences. While La Real and Athletic Club, they're all Basques, they're not all on the same team. There are, they are eternal rivals, but you don't see a lot of violence. You don't see a lot of extracurricular stuff going on between those two supporters. And I think for those two teams as well, Bilbao is a bigger city. So Real Sociedad has kind of accepted that their transfer policy is not the same. They do reach outside of, we'll, we'll say, the San Sebastian or the, the Basque country walls in a way that athletic club do not. The recruiting is still, hey, they have to have some affiliation, either born or some affiliation in some way, or you know have lived there for a number of years or parents, something like that, to the, the Basque country. And so the difference between those two clubs is how they get about their transfers. And obviously, for Athletic Club, they myopically need to get the best Basque players that are available. And of course, the number one team for that is going to be Real Sociedad. There was this unwritten rule back in the mid, prior to the mid 90s, I should say, where they didn't poach each other's academy products. And then there were some stories about the late 90s, early 2000s, where Athletic Club came a calling for some of the academy kids. And Real Sociedad didn't really like that. And Enrique Martinez, I mean, maybe in recent years, was definitely the most high profile player to go from Real Sociedad to Athletic Club. And that usually is the direction that they go. Again, because Athletic Club in Bilbao is a bigger city with deeper pockets. And that just happens to be, you know, a supporting group that in the Basque country has more supporters to pay for season tickets and all those different things. So at the time, going again, going back to January of 2018, apparently La Real were prepared to lose their in-his-prime center back. They were prepared for that as all clubs like La Real who cannot guarantee consistent Europa League even or Champions League time for their players. So they were ready to lose their in-his-prime center back to a Barcelona or Manchester United or Juventus, and Martinez was heavily linked with all of those teams. But instead, he chose to play for the other Bass team, and that had the club letting people return his jersey. It was not a good scene. He had supported Athletic Club as a boy, and it made sense from a sentimental perspective, both also a financial one too. But Athletic Club paid him really well. Not crazy numbers, but probably above market value due to their recruitment policy, as I already talked about, and again, needing to keep their Bass players. Apparently, he went up to about $5 million in 2018. Because again, it's not a big transfer number to make sure they get the Bass players. They did that €32 million, Euro sure. 
but it's also what it's going to take to keep their players around in their prime. And high salaries in comparison to some of the other clubs around the same mid-table level athletic club around the Liga is one of those ways. And then again, the other one is huge release clauses where the players, even if they want to leave, they don't really get to. And that said, Athletic Club and Real Sociedad are kind of going, we've seen this with Zubamendi, that they're kind of going off the promise that their players take great pride in playing for these Basque clubs and they do want to be there, which is totally fair. So again, apparently he went out to about $5 million in 2018, which is absurd to think that that number was big for a team in the middle of the Liga at the time because of all the numbers we see thrown around. But for Athletic Club, yeah, that was them really overreaching for the wage bill at the time. And at that time, yeah, that wasn't a big number for Barca, but that's why Barca, and let's not do that again. Anyway, he got a huge release clause, and Athletic Club were obviously unlikely to sell him for anything outside of an absurd offer, just a Hail Mary offer. And that's exactly what Matteo Alemani admitted. Barca wanted to bring him in when Piquet returned. And you know that Barcelona probably has the longest scouting report on Onega Martinez of any team in world football as it sounds like they dusted it off every summer for the better part of 10 years. If you've been on, on Barcelona Twitter for that, God bless you if you have been, but if you've been on Barcelona Twitter for the better part of those 10 years too. But Athletic Club were not selling last season. They weren't going to sell, even with his contract running out. And so Barcelona knew they had to wait for his contract to run out. Athletic Club needed every minute they could get out of Inigo Martinez last year. Now, what is Barca getting in this player? Much like Alemani and Deco and Xavi, I don't need that much help telling you who Nigga Martinez is. I've seen him many, 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 many times. Like Christensen, I would describe him as just an all-around solid center back. He's not known for his speed at all, but he's not slow either. His positioning is good, he's strong in the air, he's left-footed and can play a pass, but isn't looking to reinvent the wheel from the back line with some huge, crazy, over-the-top, I'm not even talking about a line-breaking pass on the ground, which we saw Christensen is pretty adept at, and Kunde's pretty good at too, Araujo's still working on it, but he's not going to pay some, yes, he's going to play that ball on the ground, but he's not going to play some wonderfully beautiful lofted ball over-the-top for a center forward to run on to. You will get the rare set-piece goal out of him, but don't expect a steady diet of that. He's interesting, though, because as far as his technical ability, we've never really gotten to see what he can do, especially in this time at Athletic Club, even more than Real Sociedad. People like me who look at stats and stuff, thanks, RB Ref, won't be blasting his percentiles because they aren't really that great. He's not in the 80th percentile even for any counting stat at all. But a lot of that has to do with the team he played for in Athletic Club. They're up and down throughout a season. They're ebbs and flows. Are they good? Are they bad? And that's on both sides of the ball. And especially the possession stats are always poor for athletic club players. But it's the eye test, I think, too, is something that I would compliment him on. He admitted that he suffered a lot at the Camp No, but I checked my notes, and he was rarely to blame, if ever, for any of those beatdowns. And lastly, if he was brought in to be the starter, I would have, yeah, some reservation, sure. But he's not coming in as the starter on a free transfer right now, unless he earns that spot over Christensen. Or Rajo, but I can't imagine that'll happen. And if one of those two gets injured... Does Xavi fill in Martinez and keep Kunde out of right back, or does Martinez continue to be the best option at left center back? That's for Xavi to decide, I guess. And I think that's kind of what we go in with Nico Martinez. How often is he going to play is, I think, a bigger question than what is he going to bring to the team? Because I think anyone who watches the Liga knows pretty much exactly what Barcelona is getting at this point in his career. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. And speaking of right backs, as I transition away from the Kunde point, by the time this hits your ears, the rumors about the latest name could already have come and gone. That's Mallorca's Pablo Maffeo. You know, they're probably already done and dusted. I did get to see him as a youngster a few years ago for NYCFC and seeing him in person. I really liked what I saw. But at this point, he's 26, and I think he's not flopped by any means, but he's not the player that Man City thought they were getting for their academy from Espanol in 2013. And I think they did have some pretty high expectations for him. Even the player who Stuttgart got in 2018, who played so well for Girona in the 2017-18 season, making 47 appearances that season... I'm not sure if he's still that player either. It's weird to say that he's like over the hill and he's 26 years old, but I, I don't know. I, I don't really truly see it. I think where his level is as Mallorca, he might be a little bit better than that. But again, now you're talking about maybe he's Real Sociedad level, but I, I don't think he's Barcelona level in the Champions League or anything like that. 
And that's why I think, unlike the pivot position, which is 100% necessary, which is why Barca have kept working down their list, I don't know. I think this might just be something from maybe Pablo Feo's agent to say, hey, does somebody other than Mallorca want to buy him from Mallorca? Give him a, big, a bigger salary. Give me a nice little agent commission and see if we can make a deal. Because, yeah, with Xavi, they are, again, obviously trying to offload Dest and likely Julian Araujo. With those two putts in around, yeah, that's something. But if they can't get rid of one or both of those players, I mean, is it better just to have them sticking around and already technically being a part of this locker room and not having to send out a player who might want to stay as opposed to just bringing in Mafeo and then Xavi not playing him, <laughs> you know, with him showing up and then he never plays. And I don't really see the upgrade for a transfer fee from Mafeo from Desto Jorajo. I just don't see it. So finally, some of you may have already seen the video, but today's history lesson is all about Ana Maria Martinez-Saji, a person that I found incredibly fascinating. So I do hope you enjoy this little piece on her. So this is the end of me for today. So I'll talk to you next week and enjoy this special little story. If you look at next season's jersey, you may have noticed the diamond over the crest, honoring the first women's team to ever play a game in the Camp Nou. A reminder that women's football is continuing to not only set new standards for FC Barcelona, but the club is also making sure to understand both the history of the women's game being currently written with the two-time Champions League winners and embrace the club's women's history that was largely pushed aside or forgotten. For this last reason, so we don't forget, today we're talking about Ana Maria Martinez-Saji, one of the most important not only women, but people in FC Barcelona history. Martinez-Saji was quite a few things. She was a poet, a journalist, an athlete, and for purpose of this video, the first woman to join FC Barcelona's board of directors. She did come from a club-affiliated family, two of which I have already spoken about through the years. Her father was a Barca executive, and he served as the treasurer of the club from 1917 to 1919. He was thriving in the textile industry at the time, as thanks to men like Antonio Gaudi and Pablo Picasso, Barcelona was being known as a city of culture, especially for the wealthy. Her brother Armando had come up when speaking about Ansu Fati and Lamine Mall, as he did hold the record for the youngest ever Barca debut. And cousin Emilio, known as Saji Barba, was one of Barcelona's great legends in the 1920s and as a prolific goal scorer next to Josep Cementier. The other important figure that you could say for purpose of this story that predates Martinez Saji other than her father was Edelmio Calveto, who was the first woman to become a Barca member. Her passion for what was happening on the field was rare for women in that era as they often didn't come to the grounds at all. Or if they did, it was merely as a social appearance with their husbands. But Calvetto bucked that trend, taking her one-year-old newborn along with her husband and one of his business partners to games, and sometimes being the only woman in the stands at all. Since the statute said that members could only be men, in 1913, Juan Gamper made her a member and updated the statutes to include women as members. This opened the door for Martinez Saji a few years later, but not that many years later. By the age of 27, and that taking place in the mid-30s, she was on the board of directors, but she didn't last long. That may be her Barca claim to fame, but we're going to get back to that in a little bit. Because I think it's important to talk about what inspired her to want to break new ground and some of the challenges that she faced. Femininity was key to her belief in sports, so obviously she was a big advocate for all of women's sports. She took part in the Women's Sports Club and took part in all of tennis, swimming, track and field. She was a javelin champion, plus rowing and skiing. This was a time when those in higher society connected with the idea of the sportsman or sportswoman almost as an identity. If you remember with the Gamper videos through the years as I try to identify and personify him, being a professional athlete wasn't a thing back then. So being an athlete or being a sportsman was more about how you identified in your hobby. Thriving in athletics was a good representation in society on you as a sportsman. 
And again, the threshold to play organized sports was usually reserved for students, many of which came from affluent families or from people that were just from wealthy families. With the idea of a sportsman being so entrenched with identity, it's no surprise that a ton of men feared what a woman in sport would do. Because a woman in sport means women's independence. And that upsets the balance and the status quo, something that a lot of those men in high society didn't, and you could argue, still don't like much of today. But Ana Maria was always someone that was willing to upset the order of things. She studied in Spanish and in French because her parents thought that Catalan was for the lower class, so she learned from her nanny. And she began writing at a very early age, getting published at 19. But in that time, due to what was seen as the radical nature of women's writings, most female writers were left-leaning, politically speaking, like Martina Saji. But they wrote in Catalan. But she wrote left-leaning articles in Spanish, which does bring up the question, who were those articles for? But instead of not finding any audience, she got some praise from some right-wing critics, including some in Madrid. Her work was recognized, and so she began working for Josep Suñol's paper, La Rambla. And doesn't that name ring a bell? She wrote as a supporter of Catalan autonomy and as a vocal Republican. And for those watching in the U.S., Republican doesn't mean capital R Republican as in the United States' Democratic Party and Republican parties. No, it was a whole thing about a political identity, and I'm not doing all that here. And because I don't want to even scratch the surface of political identities or anything like that, what you need to know is that she wrote articles that were upsetting to those who didn't believe in autonomy for women. And these articles were not just upsetting to men, but to some women of the time as well. Things got a bit complicated on the home front when her father passed away in 1932. She wasn't on the same page as her mother, as her mother was very, very conservative in her views. Her mother didn't like that she wrote, played sports, or fought for universal suffrage. She wanted her to instead just find a husband. The story goes that her mother actually wanted another boy and was disappointed that Ana Maria was a girl. And partner-wise, another important figure enters our story in Elizabeth Mulder. Mulder was an author who wrote against the women's sports club but she did praise Martina Saji's first book of poems. Mulder was married before she turned 18, had a son, and was widowed by 26. She would never remarry. While she would become something of a mentor to Anna Maria, they spent a week together on holiday in 1932, and it left a mark on both women forever. They loved each other deeply, and the pain of never being able to have that happiness again was with Anna Maria forever. Her mother disapproved of it and called it a sinful relationship, but Anna Maria disagreed with that. Mulder, though, conceded, that it was the best thing to do to keep their place in society. Around the same time, Josep Suñol pushed for her to be on the Barca board, and she was accepted unanimously. She was 27 at the time. Her first mission on the board was to create a women's gymnastics section, and she had a lot planned, but it took about a year for her patience to wane thin with the men on the board. They seemed open enough to having a woman on the board, but they weren't open enough to having her actually get to do anything. So again, even though this winds up being her Barca claim to fame, it is not something that she spoke about with any fondness decades and decades after the fact. Now, for those who know their history, you know that the Spanish Civil War was right on the horizon. And there is no way for those who've been with me on these history videos to get around the Spanish Civil War with any of it. It defined the lives of those who lived throughout it. For Martina Asagi, like so many in Spain in the 20th century, it changed her life forever. She was already a staunch Republican. Remember, it was Republican forces against Franco's forces in the greatest oversimplification in history. And remember, she was also a believer in Catalan autonomy, and she came to believe more in the cause of anarchism. The fighting began, and the anarchists, by violent means, put down an early coup attempt. And she published reports on those events, inspiring her to run towards the war. She was sent back to Barcelona after getting shrapnel in her legs, and that repeated a number of times. Go to war, get sent back. At the time, Elizabeth Mulder, who was a nationalist, was stuck up in her room. And Ana Maria, still with devoutness to Mulder, would bring her supplies. 
For the remainder of her life, Martina Saji kept a bitterness in her heart about their separation and the hope that they may someday be together again. After the war, she went into exile in France, joining the French resistance during World War II in Paris. In 1942, the Gestapo raided her apartment, but she got free through a window. After moving to Cannes in France, she began selling handkerchiefs before being asked by the wife of the Aga Khan to start to work in interior design. But then after living in Italy and getting the flowers, the perfume industry I mean, in 1950 she moved to the US and taught at the University of Illinois. After taking care of US students in France, got that idea in her head about the United States. In 1975, just after the death of General Franco, she moved back to her home of Catalonia. She had been gone for 30 years, but she did live out the remainder of her 25 years back home in the place where it all began. Basically in secret, with only family around to hear her frustrations that she could never regain the recognition with her poetry from the 1930s, as if she had been all but forgotten. But that's the very reason why I wanted to highlight this story, and I'm glad that FC Barcelona has done the same in recent years. Ana Maria Martinez Sazi was a complicated person. Her temper would get her in trouble sometimes, but it was her strong convictions and her passion that propelled her through life. And so often those people with that kind of passion that we remember the most. Yet because of who she was in the time she was in, her story of love, of sacrifice, of sport, of war, it would all be forgotten. Today there are more than 30,000 members of FC Barcelona who are women. And so many Kool-Aids owe something to Ana Maria Martinez Saji. If you enjoyed this, please let me know, give it a like, subscribe. As I am kind of pretty honest about this stuff, these videos take a lot of time and don't really get the numbers to help me continue to do this very much more. So if you do like it, I always implore you, make sure that I know about it and let people know. But I do like to make them because for those that are watching here to the very end, I know you have the same kind of passion for this than I do. So again, I'd appreciate if you spread the word. And as always, until next time, for the Barca.